Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. In this episode, I'd like to talk about how good decisions are a compounding asset. So if we make one good financial decision, typically it's going to have some positive consequences. However, if we make five good financial decisions in a row, uh, the results typically will be life-changing. But the important fact to note is that five good decisions aren't five times better than one good decision. It's compounding. So it's probably a hundred times better than one good decision, which really uh, suggests that um, to be really successful with building wealth and fulfilling your lifestyle goals, true success comes from mastering your decision making. And if you can make one good decision after another, uh, which I don't think is that difficult, which I'll talk about in a second, uh, then the compounding flow on effects will be significant. And there's really kind of six facets, I guess, uh, to wealth accumulation that you really need to master. Good cash flow management, uh, having a clear and efficient investment strategy, uh, investing in the right assets using the right methodologies, optimizing your superannuation. We all have super, so want to optimize it. Uh, minimize tax and protect your assets for your family's benefit. They're the six things that if you can really focus on, you can make good decisions in respect to each of those six elements, that's where you're going to get the compounding impact. I guess to draw an analogy with our health, you know, we know that achieving good levels of health requires to focus on three things, diet, exercise regularly and get plenty of sleep. I'm sure there's other things, but you know, those three are the really big contributors to our overall health. Uh, And we know, you know, most people then know that just focusing on one, you're not going to achieve your potential. So if I focus on my diet, but I don't exercise and my sleep is terrible, you know, I'm not going to achieve the greatest outcomes. And really uh, optimizing your personal finances are exactly the same. You need to take that holistic approach. uh, And if you can make good decisions in each of those six categories, uh, the, the results are, as I said, life-changing. So what are some good decisions that you can make? Because I reckon that there's only a handful of decisions that we make in our lifetime that will produce 80% of the outcomes. So it's that old 80-20 rule. And that's why I wrote the book Investopoly, because I thought that there's just a very simple set of rules that we just need to follow. Uh, And if we can guide each decision through those eight rules I talk about in Investopoly, um, then that's going to help us make good decisions and avoid, most importantly, making bad decisions. So I I think, as I said, there's only a handful of decisions you really need to make. And I wanted to talk about um, some of them during this podcast. So the first one is the first decision, really good decision you can make, is stop wasting your money. So I think money is wasted when it has no impact on your standard of living. So the key here is to make conscious financial decisions, conscious expenditure decisions. And if you aren't conscious about your expenditure, your money will just be wasted on things that you don't really care about. Now, holidays are a really good example of conscious expenditure. We tend to get a lot of happiness and satisfaction and utility from going on holidays. It creates lasting memories 
And most importantly, if we stop doing it, like we've found out through COVID, particularly last year, but uh, even with international travel now, uh, we really miss it. You know, it really, for, for a lot of people, holidays add a lot of value. And they're good decisions, you know, that, well, okay, they don't increase our wealth, um, our personal wealth, but that's not really the problem uh, that is expenditure on holidays isn't really the problem. The problem that most people have is this unconscious expenditure. So a really good example might be takeaway coffee. Now, if you pay $4.50 for a takeaway coffee and you get a couple each day, and you don't really think about it. You know, you're not, they're, they're small items. But if you add it up, that's $10,000 a year on takeaway coffee. Now, if your place of employment provides facilities to make coffee in the office, well, potentially, you could eliminate every single takeaway coffee and your life's probably not going to change that much, really. At the end of the day, it's convenience. But how much is it really adding to your standard of living, to your overall enjoyment? So I think it's pretty simple to implement really good cash flow practices. And I've got a link uh, in the show notes and on the blog on the website to a blog I wrote last year, which sort of steps you through uh, the process to structure your banking so you don't have to track every dollar and cent. And it's really about essentially running two bank accounts, one that pays uh, non-discretionary expenses like school fees, mortgage repayments, utility bills, uh, insurances, all the sort of stuff that you're making conscious decisions on anyway and you really can't overspend on. Uh, and the second account is discretionary expenses. That's all the stuff that could go from $1 this week to $100 next week. Uh, and if you don't track it, each individual um, element, uh, it'll get out of control, but you don't need to track every single element. You just need to track it at an overall level uh, to give you a guiding sort of idea of what you're spending and where your money's going and so forth. So all your discretionary expenses go through that account. You transfer a, a set amount each week, fortnight or month into that account. And that way, you know, based on the balance of that account, uh, how you're tracking on, on, over that particular period. It's a great and painless way to, to uh, promote you to be more conscious about your expenditure. And that's one of the best decisions you can make. Let's start really using our money to get the biggest bang for our buck to get them let's only spend money on things that we enjoy uh, and uh, the rest can go towards uh, improving our financial position Uh, the second really good decision is to invest in the right assets see i believe investing is really simple if you stick to fundamentals and only adopt evidence-based strategies uh, and never watch the news or read the newspapers now, I know that, I mean, I say that sort of facetiously, but really um, the news does nothing to help us inform our investment decisions. It's really interesting to note, actually, I put a post on uh, LinkedIn and, and Twitter last night, but really interesting to note that um, uh, the media is talking up the property market now. Uh, when I wrote an article for The Australian in May last year saying, I think the predictions of property price crashes are nonsense, Uh, and there'd be a podcast uh, exactly to that effect as well. Um, And uh, about eight months later, all of a sudden, everyone's jumping on the bandwagon that property's the right way to go. I think neither my or the general media's commentary, either in May last year or now, really help you very much as an investor. Who cares what 
properties prices are going to do over the next few months. Uh, firstly, no one can really predict it, uh, including myself, of course. Uh, and uh, and if I'm going to hold a property for 20 years, do I really care? Is it really going to be a key success factor in, uh, in my investment strategy? Or is buying the right property the most important thing? So that's why I say don't watch the news or read the newspapers. And that's, as I said, why I wrote Investopoly, to give us a set of rules and a framework to help people guide themselves to make good, good quality financial decisions. So what you invest in, so that's the asset, and the methodology that you choose to adopt to select that asset will determine your future returns. So in a way, your destiny is determined when that initial decision is made. So it only takes one decision to buy the right asset or to seek advice to select the right asset, particularly with respect to property. Uh, And once that decision is made, it's merely just waiting one or two decades for the results to materialize. And these decisions, though, are incredibly important. My decision to say, I'm going to appoint this buyer's agent to select the best investment property for me, that one decision, that's that's a, a hallmark. Uh, decision with respect to uh, your financial future. Okay, decision number three is to ask for help. There's two points I'd like to make with this. Firstly, you don't know what you don't know. Uh, And then secondly, experience is far more important than knowledge, in my opinion. You can fast track knowledge. Uh, You can read 100 books over the next 100 days, for example, or or attend seminars, or watch YouTube videos, or read blogs, etc., etc., right? So you can uh, sort of take some shortcuts or or speed up your learning, uh, but you you can't do that with experience. And experience tells you how and when to apply that knowledge, uh, and that's key. That's absolutely key, in my opinion. Therefore, the question is, do you want to make your own mistakes or would you prefer to pay someone that's already learned from making those mistakes in the past, either through uh, observation, their own personal experience or their professional experience? The choice is yours, of course, uh, but in my opinion, paying someone for advice is always the cheapest and quickest, by the way, uh, you don't waste time, uh, avenue to success. Uh, let me give you an example, and uh, certainly I hope my son's never listened to this podcast, but it's true that I don't know everything. Uh, and I think um, uh, keeping the, your ego in check about what you do know, uh, and uh, even if you've been successful as an investor in the past, uh, past success doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be successful in the future. So I think um, leaving room for the possibility that we don't know everything and that it could be wrong is always uh, a good thing to do um, in in financial planning. And the same is true as a financial advisor. I hold strong opinions loosely, and I think I've spoken about that in the past. Uh, so let me give you an example. My wife and I sold a commercial property last year. Um, I uh, wanted to get some – I wanted to obviously minimise the capital gains tax associated with that property. We were lucky enough to make a, a really big gain – um, I could have probably figured it all out myself, given uh, you know ProSolution runs a, a tax advice practice, uh, and I'm a registered tax agent. Uh, but I n- knew that I didn't have enough experience with this specific situation, so I went out and found the best expert uh, in that field. I paid them uh, a few thousand dollars for some advice, and that advice literally 
saved us several hundreds of thousands of dollars in tax. So it's just an example that even in my position, it's still very important to go out and seek advice. If it's not your core expertise, uh, if you're acting outside of your core expertise in, in terms of experience, um, then ask for advice. And as Warren Buffett says, risk comes from uh, not knowing what you're doing. So uh, quite often I think it's a who question, not a what question uh, that you should be asking yourself. So if you're contemplating making a financial decision, the, 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 the best question you ask yourself is who can help me with this decision? Who has the experience? Uh, not what should I do necessarily. So it's a who, not what uh, decision. Okay, number four, and uh, quite timely, a really good decision would be to make, uh, to resist the temptation to cut corners. It's tempting to find an investment like Tesla, Afterpay or Bitcoin, or GameStop, who's been in the media uh, recently, to make a kind of quick 10 times return. You know, but this isn't, we have to recognise this isn't a successful methodology because the likelihood of you finding the next unicorn, the next GameStop, the next Afterpay, the next Bitcoin uh, is very low. And to do that consistently year after year without making any mistakes is near on impossible. Even the experts can't do it. So investing with the aim of achieving slightly better than average returns, for example, so the, the share market has done 10% over the last 40 years in terms of returns, so if you're aiming for something around that mark, um, is a, a good decision. Because getting distracted by the shiny object uh, is just a distraction. As soon as you say yes to something, you inadvertently say no to something else. So as soon as you say yes to trying to cut corners and make a quick profit, what you're essentially doing is saying no to implementing a far more predictable, repeatable and successful investment methodology so it's really an exercise in delayed gratification to some degree. Uh, there's always going to be an investment that provides a 10x return, 10 times return. Uh, there's always going to be something that's popular, something that you wished you had purchased a, a year ago if you had a crystal ball, all those sorts of things. But the having the discipline to ignore those shiny objects isn't always easy. And in the short run, you might feel like you've missed out but that's because the rewards from sound evidence-based strategies uh, tend to be only evident in the long run. And in the long run, you'll be the winner of the race and the people that get distracted by the shiny objects will be the loser. Uh, a bit hard, you've got to have the faith uh, that that is actually going to be the case. So just to wrap up, it's your money, it's your life, and it's your prerogative about what decisions you make. But the reality is, there's probably only five or less financial decisions that you need to perfect in your lifetime. And if you can nail those five decisions, uh, you'll surely enjoy financial security. You will build uh, significant wealth over the long run and you will be looking back in a couple of decades going, that was a smart move. So for example, your, your four good decisions might be we'll track our discretionary expenditure We'll engage an independent financial advisor. I know I've got a vested interest. doesn't have to be me. could be anyone, of course, um, that, that you trust and uh, that, that's going to do a good job. But you're going to get some advice to put a plan together and help them implement, help you in, implement it. 
The third rule could be that you're not going to invest in speculative assets or take silly risks or be distracted by the shiny object. Uh, And the fourth could be that you'll always contribute a set amount of your cash flow each year to building your financial future. And you'll do that with priority. You know, pay yourself first in that sort of ideal. So there's four examples of decisions that you could make, you and your family could make, that are going to create significant value and change the course of your life. If you're unhappy with your current financial position, my advice to you then would be to focus on your decision making. That's the key. Uh, That's what's got you here. And if you're not happy where you are, then you need to really look carefully at your future decision making. As American author Wayne Dwyer says, our lives are the sum total of the choices that we have made. Okay, that's it from me this week. Uh, thank you very much for to everyone that has um, been rating the podcast on iTunes and wherever you listen to your podcasts. It certainly helps get the word out there. Uh, so if you haven't done that and you do enjoy the podcast, uh, it'd be great if you could just leave uh, a rating, obviously a five-star rating if possible. Uh, that would very much help me and very much appreciated. Excellent. Uh, that's it for me. Uh, until next week, bye for now.